Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. This week uh, in our uh, one of our family Bible times with my kids, uh, my daughter started asking me some uh, really interesting questions. Um, the, we were watching a video, and the video was talking about uh, God as our father, and she looked at me and she said, but I already have a daddy, right? She's like, I got you, right? Like, well, what do I need him for? Um, and so then we had a really good conversation about the difference between having a heavenly father and an earthly father and what that difference looks like. Um, And so today I want us to uh, consider our passage for today from the perspective of having a heavenly father, but also having an earthly father. And so as we talk about fathers, um, that usually comes with uh, a mix of experience and a mix of emotions for us, right? Uh, Some of us, when I talk about your earthly father, you're like, man, that was the best, right? Others of us, like, what a jerk, right? And honestly, most of us is somewhere in between, you know? And, but then we can easily project onto our heavenly father, our experience in our, with our earthly fathers. And, and so uh, it's good for us in our minds to separate those two because we don't want to just identify everything we think about a father and just put that on God, um, because God is, is so much better. Um, he's so much, even, even than the best father you could have possibly had, God is so much better. Um, and today in our passage, we're going to be looking at, at two different fathers um, and, and then seeing the heavenly father interacting with them. And so as we, we come into this story, we're continuing uh, with Jacob and Laban and their, their exports, right? And so their inter- interactions with each other. And we left off last week with them striking this deal on if uh, the spotted and striped and speckled sheep and goats were born in the flock, then they were Jacob's and all the pretty ones were Laban's. And, and uh, then Jacob starts trying to make them all spotted and speckled and all by putting stripes in front of them, stuff like that. Um, and then it comes to this in Genesis 31, starting in verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. So brother-in-laws aren't happy. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Father-in-law, not happy. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where the flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore spotted. And if he said, the stripes shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. 
little clarity moment for Jacob here. We can definitely see that no longer does he think that by him putting spots in front of mating animals is what's doing this. He's very clear that like the only way to explain all that I've been given here is the fact that God did it. The heavenly father has given me all of this. He is blessed in such a mighty and amazing way. And in the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. And so uh, we, we see here, Jacob, he's, he's had this, this vision, he's had this dream, and he's been told by God, hey, it's time to go. It's time to go back home. You've come, I've blessed you incredibly. You've got all of this wealth now. You have this huge family now. You have all of this going for you now that I have given you, but now it's time to go, go back home. And so he's, he calls out uh, Rachel and Leah to him. He's like, hey, um, kind of feel like this is what we're supposed to do, right? Um, but he's here in this point, we see a very key kind of marker for Jacob, where Jacob is at the point of he's saying, hey, all that I have, I really realize now all comes from God. No amount of my scheming, no amount of my trying to get what's mine has really amounted to anything. But what I do recognize now is God has blessed me in an incredible way. He has given me all of this. And so I want to challenge us as earthly fathers Let's give our heavenly father credit for all the blessings of our lives. Let's give him the credit. Because as, as an earthly father, you, yes, you take on the, the duty and you, you say like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to provide. I want to take care of my family. I want to meet their needs in this way and that way and do this for them and do that for them. But at the end of the day, if we're really honest, then we have to just say, man, God has blessed us. And because of that, I'm able to, to do this for my family right? So as heavenly fathers, let's, let's learn what Jacob has learned at this point and the fact that let's give him credit. And even in how we talk to our children, let's make sure we're pointing credit and glory to God in the way that we should so that he gets what he is due as far as the glory, not us. So he's having this conversation with Rachel and Leah. You know, as the narrative goes, it kind of could go any any way at this point, right? Like, you know, he's basically telling his, his wives like, Hey, uh, everything you've known your whole life. Yeah. We're about to leave that. And we're going to go somewhere else. Guys, guys good to go. Ready to pack up. All right. Like, Hey, we're going to move. Any families ever had that conversation of moving? Any drama ever happened in that conversation? I'm sure it's always just been so smooth for you guys. Well, here's, here's how it goes for them. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and he has indeed devoured our money. 
And so we see here a little bit of Rachel and Leah's perspective on their dad's whole conning Jacob thing into their marriages, right? They, they're not too happy with dad. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. These women say, whatever God has said to you, do it. We're with you. We're going to follow God in this. And it's kind of interesting because that's their kind of immediate response. But then we have a little weird thing that happens up here, coming up here with Rachel. So Jacob arose, set his, um, set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired and paid in Aran to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. And he fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. So the first thing I want, to see, I want us to see from this little section is their example of when God speaks and he tells us something to do, you know what we need to do? We need to obey. We need to listen. So when God speaks, when our Heavenly Father speaks, we need to obey. I want to ask you, how many of us earthly fathers value obedience in our households, right? Like, you know, that's, that's one of those things where in our household, it's, obedience is a pretty big deal. Um, and uh, I remember one time, especially when our, our son was really young at this point, and uh, we had this young person that was like studying like early childhood development or something, and they were hanging around our family. And then they, they would hear us talk about in, in discipline using the word disobedience. And they're like, that's really strange, you know, that you would use that term. And, and uh, we're like, well, that's what it is, right? And we, and we want him to learn that this is not okay. Um, because what we instill in him as parents are relating to obedience and disobedience. As he learns that from us and how he relates to us, I think that's also going to be how he relates to God as well. Um, and so, yes, from our early age, we want our kids to learn that disobedience is not okay. It's not a good thing. Your parents love you. We care about you. We want what's best for you. And so when we give you instruction, um, it is for your own good. Uh, and I think if, if me as a lowly earthly father has that intent in my instruction for my, my kids, then I think our heavenly father has so much more it's so much even better for us. And so while, yes, I expect uh, my children to, to obey in our household, even more so, I am expected to obey as God the Father speaks and as he directs us. And so, um, so I want to challenge you with that today. Like, yes, as, as a father, you might expect obedience but are you demonstrating obedience? Are you modeling obedience for your kids? Do they know that yes, dad listens to God and he obeys uh, what God says? Because that's what we see here with Jacob and Rachel and Leah. They're like, hey, God's spoken, let's do it. Do, you, 
What he's told you to do, do, is what the wives say, right? Well, with that, uh, Rachel then goes on and does something very weird. Rachel says, yes, listen to God, we're going to go. He's told you to go, we're going to go. So at that point in the story, we would think, oh, wow, like Rachel and Leah are really, you know, they're God honorers. They're worshiping God, like they're obeying God. They're with their, their husband and, and following God. Like this is, this is a good thing. But then Rachel goes and she steals her father's household gods to take with them. And now we're left kind of in the, in the dark on her motives in this, on why she took them. Uh, there's several that are out there. Maybe, uh, maybe she is saying, yeah, we'll follow what your God says, Jacob, but also I'm going to bring these gods as backup, right? So like maybe your God doesn't work out. Um, so I've got other gods here just kind of, we can pull them out of the closet if we need them, right? Um, and we kind of can be like, yeah, that's, that's silly. But how much do we do the same? Where we say, yeah, I'll follow you, God, but also I'm going to make sure I have my backup plan ready just in case this thing doesn't work out, right? Or I'm going to follow you, but I'm also going to bring my baggage with me. I'm not really ready to give up on this or this or this, but if I can add you to it, then that's okay. Like I'll I'll just kind of, I'll pull this behind me and just in case I need it, in case I need my old life, in case I need the stuff of the flesh, I'll just jump back into that, but then I'll come back to you, God, right? So I don't know if that's where Rachel is coming from. Uh, she might be coming from simply a place of these things would most likely have inherent value and worth. Um, and in that, uh, she wanted a little security for uh, moving to a new country. Um, so, hey, these things probably can pawn them off or something and make some kind of deal out of them. That could have been her motives. Don't know. Um, whatever her motives are, What's clear is Jacob doesn't know about it, and it's going to become an issue that, that's going to happen moving forward in the story. Um, but one thing that we should, we should see at this point is I think there's definitely a lack of trust in this situation at some point. Um, whether it was trust for Laban, whether it was trust for Jacob, whether uh, it was trust for Heavenly Father, somewhere in the equation, there's a lack of trust. There's a, lack, there's a breakdown there. And I want to encourage us that fatherhood, both earthly and heavenly, should be marked by trust. When trust is not there, bad things happen. They don't trust Laban. None of them trust Laban. And so it's, it's an ugly situation. It's an ugly thing that's about to happen. There's not the, the most trust even probably in their, their whole uh, family relationship as we've looked at in past weeks. And I think that's trickling over into probably their relationship with God where there's a little bit of a lack of trust there. Like, yeah, God spoke. He's told you that. Yeah, we see how he's blessed us and all of this. But we're not really sure. Still have that little bit of hesitancy there. And so we need, in a, both as earthly fathers, we need to, to strive to earn trust. If we've done things that break trust, we need to own that. Fathers, have, have your kids 
ever heard you confess to them when you've messed up? Because they should. Because you know what? You mess up. And so as fathers, we're, we're not ab- above that, right? And that's how we reinstall that trust of like, hey, you know, this happened and I know it wasn't right. I didn't handle this right. I was having a bad day. I lost my temper. I blew my cool. The words I said weren't best. I'm sorry. Like these are, these are words as a father we should have with our children, no matter their age. That yes, I've messed up here. This is something that I want to make right. I want to reinstall trust. I want to do what I can to regain the trust that I have lost because of my words, because of my actions. We don't see that yet in this story. We don't see uh, Laban in that place for sure yet. Let's go on, verse 22. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. So Laban gets this dream from God at this point. God shows up and speaks to Laban and says, hey, don't do this. Don't say anything good or bad to, to Jacob. Don't go there. I know, you're, I know you're angry. I know you're on a rampage. I know like he's left without you knowing about it. I know you're not happy about this, but don't say anything good or bad to him. So let's see what Laban does with that instruction from God. And Laban overtook Jacob, and now Jacob had pitched his tents in the hill country. And Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. So that's Laban's way of not saying anything good or bad. You foolish It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. So he even admits that like in the middle of my rant here, by the way, I'm not supposed to be ranting, but I'm going to rant anyway. And now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my God's? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought that you, sh- you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she, she said to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you for the way of women is upon me. 
Okay, you guys know what that is. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. So Laban shows up, and one, he doesn't really listen to what God told him to do, right? God said, hey, don't say anything good or bad. He goes on a rant, you know, got to get this off my chest. Brought my witnesses here. Basically, I brought the court, the judge, the jury. They're here to, to judge between us on this thing. And you stole my stuff, right? Like that's the accusation. And hearing this part of the story, it really gives me another reason why Rachel might have taken the stuff to start with. Rachel, I think, might have known Dad's not going to really care that much I'm gone. Dad's not going to really care that much that his grandkids are gone. He's not going to really care that much that, that my sister is gone. He's not going to care about us. But if I take these, he's going to care. He cares more about this stuff than he does about us. And so I'm going to take these so, so that either one, just to get back at him, or two, so that I see him again don't know. But like I said, any, any speculation as to her motives is just that. It's just speculation. But what we see very clear in this story from Laban is that when he shows up, what does he care the most about? He cares the most about his stuff. He's missing his stuff that is gone. And I want to challenge us fathers, if there's ever a point where our kids feel like we value our stuff more than we value them, then we have done terribly wrong. Whenever our, our kids get the impression, rightly or wrongly, that, that we care more about whatever it is than we do about them, then, man, what a sad state. The, the ever common scenario of, mine obviously aren't there yet, but of kids starting to drive and then they have that first accident and they have to call dad and dad I've had an accident and what is dad's first response is it are you okay or is it how bad's the car right because isn't in that moment that our dad heart comes out of like what are we caring about and, and you, you can rationalize that I hear them on the phone they're okay I didn't want to know about the car now okay I hear that but but no like our first response should be are you okay I'm reminded of it was a two winters ago um in front of our house uh we live on kind of one of the main roads here in town and uh two young guys had some car trouble and um, might have been some substance involved. Uh, ended up with a flat tire in our ditch in front of our house in the middle of a snowstorm. So they're not in the best situation, right? And so I, I go out to try to help them. And one of the saddest things I hear is they're trying to figure out somebody just to come get them at this point and leave their car at my place, and, which I'm fine with, sure, whatever. Um, and they're talking about who they can get to come get them. And one of them says, don't even call dad. You know he won't come. And I just thought, oh, man, how sad that these guys are in a situation where they just need somebody to help. They just need somebody to leave their house, come out, 
in the storm to get them to get them home and they know don't call dad he won't come and my heart is just like man I hope my kids always know no matter what the situation is yeah call dad 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 will do his best to help right so as fathers that's where we we want our kids to be that's where we want our hearts to be but the the sad fact is is that too many times our care for other things gets in the way for our care for our kids whether it's stuff, whether whatever it is, um, other things cloud that place that we want our heart to be for our kids and for them to know that it's there for them, right? And so, um, so yeah, that's where, where we want to be. Another thing we can learn from, from Laban right here as, as we're about to, to go on in this story is that when our Heavenly Father warns us of something and we don't listen we should expect things to go poorly, okay? When he warns us, we don't listen. We should expect things to kind of take a turn. And that's what happens now. So Laban's had his vent, right? And now he's gone on this rampage through all of their stuff, searching for his, his items, which then opens the door for Jacob's vent. So Jacob has 20 years of frustration built up towards Laban from the situ- work situation he's been in, and he unloads it now. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? You have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These 20 years I've been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried and have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was by day, the heat consumed me and the cold by night and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I have been in your house. I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And so Laban finds himself in a place of saying, "Uh uh-oh, I brought the judge and the jury here, but it sounds like he's the one that has a case, not me. I've got no evidence. I've got no proof. I can't find the, the things he took because he didn't take him. My daughter did, but I don't know that because she said she has the way of women. So Laban's kind of left in a pickle. And then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters. The children are my children. The flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine, but what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom you have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap and they, and they ate there by the heap. And Laban called it Jagar Sahudath, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, he, he named it Galid. 
and Mizpah. Uh, for he said, the Lord watch between you and me and when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and the pillar which is set between you and me? This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. And the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their fathers judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread and they ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. And so what do these two men do at this point? They say, peace. We need a truce. We need agreement between us that, hey, these problems aren't going to persist. We're not, the past is the past. Whatever's happened has happened. Moving forward, hey, just treat my girls well. Take care of my daughters, take care, take care of your kids, do right by them. And so they come to this place of identifying these problems, working through these problems and saying, yes, we can, we can agree and we, we're, we're putting a pile of rocks right here to say we're in agreement that the, the past conflict between us is over. And I want to challenge us fathers with this. Fathers, when there are problems in our family, let us be the first to try to bring resolution and peace. Let us be the peacemakers that want to bring that to the table and say, hey, yeah, I hear what's going on. I hear what the past, I hear that, I hear that. But let's move forward in a good way. Let's set up a marker to remind us this is what we need moving forward. And let's do that. And so the, the story actually ends with a positive note for Laban. Laban goes out on a high note, good for him. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. And then Laban departed and returned home. I want to challenge us, fathers. Let's always be looking for opportunities to love and bless our family. Let's always be on the lookout for those opportunities to love and bless our family. Now, taking the liberty of, of mainly talking to our fathers today, but any of our men, I think you can learn from this, whatever your family situation is. Ladies, I think equally much of this applies to you as well. But yeah, let's be the people who are looking for opportunities to bring love and peace and blessing. Because that's what this whole story works out towards, it's love and peace and blessing. Started with a lot of conflict, ends with good resolution. And that's what we want to see as well. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you uh, for today. I thank you for all the men in the room. I thank you for your work in our lives. I thank you, God the Father, that you are our Heavenly Father. And then in all the ways that, that we as earthly fathers fall short, you do not. You are perfect and you have a perfect will and a perfect plan and we get to look to you. And so Lord, speak to us, help us to obey, help us to trust and help us to follow you in each step of the way as you guide us in our lives. And I pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.